0: Our final chapters of Judges, and we have, you know, taken this um, book, huge sections, which I'm thankful for, (laughs) because if you slowly went through this, it it is a difficult, difficult book. But you also have to remember that you can't just jump into the Bible at at any point and just begin to read it, because you will be confused about what's going on, and I think... um, you will begin to judge the God of the Scripture without knowing the context, what is going on uh, and what has happened before this, this time period. And uh, I've been reading through the uh, book of Leviticus and Numbers this month and, and seeing what God called the people to do. And we're going to see today that there's total disregard for that. It's like, who are these people? You know they they have no clue it seems to what God has said and uh and again as as the title uh, of the sermon series and and this one today is is where when we do what's right in our own eyes, um, things things happen that we would never we would never expect or think to imagine so we've arrived in these final chapters um. And and I think you may be thinking, where is God in all of this? That's one of the huge mistakes that you might make is you jump into the book of Judges knowing nothing about the God who has spoken through Genesis, Exodus, delivered the people, given them a law, come down to them, and made himself known. And so you may feel that these uh, final stories give you a good reason not to believe in God. Well, there can't be a God. I mean, why wouldn't God step in at this point or that point? If I was God, I definitely would. And We can quickly say that, and yet there are things that we do that we know God would have a problem with. And we would, we would like him to turn his face the other way. Right? We don't want him to step in. Well, but I'm not as bad as these people. This is bad stuff. Doesn't God know the difference between my sin and the sin of these people? What's the matter with him? So we judge God. We have no regard for him. And instead, we are led by the deceitfulness of our own hearts. Darkness comes and sin begins to take over. That's, that's one of the things I want to see today. That I've said it before. You, you cannot contain sin. You can't hold sin bound and say, I'm just going to do this and I'm not going to go there. I can control this. So so there, there is darkness in this story, this rejection. I think it shows the rejection of God, the definitions of worship that he has laid down already in the previous books, this brutal rape of a woman. Um, what happens when we live in our own, you know, what's right in our own eyes is we devalue human life. We think we're elevating human life, and in fact, we are devaluing it. The slaughter of innocent people. And you might say, well, wait a minute. God was slaughtering all kinds of innocent people before this. Why, why does he get to slaughter innocent people? Who is innocent? Who is not? God defi- defines those terms. And, and God always gives the, uh, the out, the option. Right? God is slow to anger, gracious, merciful. That's why the the prostitute Rahab was shown grace. Her whole family was saved, right? God said, go in, destroy everything. Of course, destroy everything, kill everything. But if they turn, if they repent, if they give themselves to the God who has already spoken, who has already shown himself to be true and good, then of course. Are you saying you're more merciful than God is? Think about that. Are you more merciful than God? If you think that's true, you just don't know. And so we can do things and justify them. because We can look at God and say, well, look what he did. Right? We're often so tempted to judge God rather than ourselves. So with that happy introduction, I'd like to (laughs) move forward. (laughs) I was at the gym one time, and I was talking to this guy, and he was relating to me. Um, I don't know how we got into this. It was probably me that jumped in just talking about Christ, right? Sometimes people just step back and, you know, especially when you tell them, they ask you what you do, and you tell them you're a pastor. Suddenly, they get very religious. <laughs> you know, uh, the the vocabulary changes. You hear about all the good things they've been doing. <laughs> you know, where before that, you know, they just they just telling you whatever's on their mind, whatever's on their heart, right? And as soon as you tell them you're a pastor, oh, suddenly, you know, let me fix my tie here. You know, yes, I am. I I, I am a very good person. <laughs> so. So this is before that happened, (laughs) all right? So he's telling me his story, you know, how he, you know, encountered God in some way. He had an experience with God. And I I didn't want to deny that. I told him, hey, look, man, I don't deny that you had this experience with God. And it was very powerful and it was very meaningful to you. Now, who is this God who has done this Then Tell me about him. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. He didn't really give me any details what exact, but he knows for sure. Who is this God? then? Well, he he seemed to be the God of the Bible. That's what he said. He told me that. He seemed to think he was a Christian in some way, or at least aspired to some of the Christian virtues, right? And uh, so I said, but how do you know who this God is? If you're saying he is the God of the Bible, has he spoken? And if he's spoken, what has he said? Does he command anything of you? Does he require anything of you? Well, I, 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 I've been getting around to know I'm I want to read the Bible, you know. I, I plan on it, you know. I said, man, I, I want to tell you that God is real. But if you do not read the Word, if you don't see that he has revealed himself, buddy, you're, you're going to choose whatever you want, right? Sunday, that I don't need that stuff. You know, people in my life saying this, no, 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 no. You're going to want to do it your way. That's what you're going to want to do. And so Judges 17 and and through 21 are these final five. And and, uh, I want to begin with a a brief summary of 17 and 18 because these are way too massive chunks to read through. But I, I would challenge you to do that. I have read through it more times than I would care to. Uh, but these chapters are, um, you know, they, they begin with this guy named Micah and how he sets up the shrine. Now, he he uh, steals some money from his mother, and, and and then he hears her pronounce a blessing or, excuse me, a curse over whoever has stolen this money. And so he confesses, right? Hey, I don't want this curse. Here, Mom, I did it. And then she praises him for that. And he builds out of that. He forms uh, and fashions a, a false idol. Um, and... uh and then begins to uh, create his own religion. Basically, is what he's doing here. He sets up his own son as a priest in his home, until uh, there's a passing by Levite who comes into the scene, and he said, "Hey, a Levite, great. Why don't you be my priest? You know, hey, I'm gonna, I'll pay you. You know, I'll take care of you. We're, we're good, right? And then at the end of that chapter." He says, uh, now I know that the Lord will, will prosper me because I have a Levite as a priest. See, that that makes everything good now. Everything's good now. He's got a priest. Uh, what are the symbols or the things in our life where we you know we might have everything all jacked up, but we have one thing, right? And <laughs> we hang on to that, right? At least I took communion last Sunday or whatever. Uh, my, the rest of my life might be... A, you know, doing whatever I want, but at least I, I submitted to this to you, Lord. Uh, of course, this doesn't even get close to that with this Levi, it shouldn't even be there, right? Again, if you read through Leviticus Numbers, he's supposed to be taking care of the temple, doing all those things, uh, helping people to bring their sacrifices and on and on and on. His, his inheritance, he doesn't have any inheritance, it says. "Is his, his inheritance, the Levi's inheritance, is the Lord himself. That's his inheritance. That ain't good enough. He wants a little cash here, right? Times are tough. This Lord hasn't been around to part the sea lately. So later this tribe of Dan comes and they they seek, you know, a new place, right, because they didn't get the land that they were supposed to. They're disobedient there, so they're looking for somewhere to settle. And they come across this Levite guy, and, and, uh, and they ask him, hey, inquire of the Lord for us, you know. He said, oh, the Lord bless you, you know. And, uh, oh, that was awesome. We love that guy. We love that priest that comes by and just gives us a blessing. Here we go, you know. We go back to the tribe. They go, and, and they come back with the whole tribe because these are five uh, spies that come on this Levite. And, uh, and so the, later the whole tribe comes, and they take everything that Micah has, right? They take all the idols and stuff. And, and it's funny what he says, he says, uh, you take my gods that I made and the priest and go away. What have I have left? How then do you, do you ask me, what, what is the matter with you? Because right? They're asking, what's the matter with you? You know, We're taking this, don't, don't say anything. Or, you know, we'll slap you upside the head or stick you through the head, I don't know. He's like, you're taking all my gods. What am I going to do? <laughs> it's crazy. So they they take his idols and all that and then they go wipe out this city, right? These uh, I think it's Laish or something. I think it's Laish. Wipe those people out. And so we find out that the, who is this Levite guy anyway? Well he's actually uh the grandson of Moses. This this is this wonderful guy, this Levite. He's a grandson of Moses. Moses, the, the, the one who received from God, the one who was the most humble in all the earth, the one who beheld the glory of God. This is his grandson that has no regard for anything that God has said. Nothing. And so we come to the final three chapters. and let, let, Again, let me give that warning. And to say if you've experienced any abuse in in this, in the day that we live, I I don't know if it's greater than any other time in history. I don't know. But the the statistics are grim of the amount of people that suffer um, at the hands of their own family. Let me pray. God. You have said, Lord. Seek my face, and it is your face that we seek this morning. Give us your grace, Lord, for those who have been abused um, sexually, emotionally, verbally, physically, Lord. I pray for those who have endured such things know that you are a God who does not laugh at those things, who is grieved deeply by these things. Pray for your goodness, even through the darkness, Lord, that we might see your face. Help us, Lord. Help us to trust you, not to judge you, but to give ourselves to you, knowing that you are a God who fills the heart, who restores all that the locust would destroy, has destroyed. You're a God who's able. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't you hate emotional people? Uh, so, 17 and 18 really show the spiritual and religious apostasy, right? Apostasy is a rejecting of what you know to be true. What have you, you've been told to be true? This is true. This is good. And yet, Jeremiah says, your evil will chastise you. Your apostasy will reprove you. Know and see that it is evil and bitter for you to forsake the Lord your God, to fear me the fear of me is not in you declares the lord of hosts that's what jeremiah says and i think that's what god would be saying to these people the fear of god is not in you why would you just fashion and form a religion for yourself that goes totally contrary to the culture we live in i know that because everybody wants to do their own thing but it seems as though god has a problem with that so this story begins with a Levite who travels with his father to his father's in-law's house, right? His concubine leaves him. Concubine is a second uh, wife, uh, some would say a second-class wife even. And he goes back to get her. She leaves him for a few months, and, and uh, he comes to get her. He stays there in the house for a little while. The, the father-in-law wines and dines and wants him to stay, but he finally leaves. And he continues to Gibeah. Now before he gets to Gibeah, he sees another town. It's a pagan town, he says, um, in so many words. So I'm not going to stop here. I want to stop in a safer place, right? An Israelite city. And so he chooses Gibeah, and uh, he says, "Well, you know, he's probably thinking it, it's, it should be safe here, right?" And so now the, the scene turns eerily to eerily similar to the book of Genesis. Chapter 19, if you have read Genesis 19, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, the destruction there that God gives, it is very similar to this story. So they come into the city, they they come into the square, and Nobody, over nobody's offering them lodging until a man shows up and says, hey, you know, don't stay here, come into my house, I'll take care of you, I'll feed your animals, so on and for, so forth. The worthless men, it says, surround his house, and demand that he, the Levite, be sent out so that they can have um, physical intercourse with him. And, uh, and so the man is, is shocked and astounded by this, and, and he says, uh, don't do this horrible, wicked thing, right? Uh, don't do this wicked thing. Rather, you should, I'll give you my virgin daughter and this concubine, Rather, you should do it to them. What? And so, no, they say, no, that's not what we want. We want that guy. The guy who came to stay in your house, we want him. And so, the concubine is booted out. No compassion, no love for this woman, that, that this Levite went to go find and come and has come with him. She is thrown out, and she is brutally raped and abused all night long," it says, till the next day. The next day she barely makes it to the threshold of the house. Her hands are on the threshold, and she dies there. Levite wakes up in the morning, he opens the door, and uh, it's all honey. Are you all right? No, that's not what he says. Get up. You know, I can see him kicking her. You lazy? Get up. We got to go. She's dead. And so, you know, it doesn't say anything about how he's feeling or nothing. You know, he's not weeping, he's not anything. It seems as though maybe he just goes away in anger because he gets back to where he was from, he chops her up into 12 pieces and sends them out to the 12 tribes of Israel. And really, as one author said, it seems like the message is Israel now is worse than Sodom. Because if you read that, Genesis 19 it, it it doesn't get that bad God wipes them out he destroys the city so why didn't he do it here well he did that before it didn't seem to work maybe that's why i don't know so the 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 parts come to all everybody and and they summon everybody up and say let's get rid of this tribe of benjamin or hey, let's let's find these guys who have done this so they go uh, they, and, and uh, they call to them and say, send out these worthless men. They don't want to. So now they, they make a vow, and they say, let's wipe out the whole tribe. You know? and, uh, and, and we're not going to give any of our, our daughters to them in marriage either. We're just going to annihilate them. And so they go to do that. Uh, they lose the first day. The second day, finally, God gives them uh, victory in the third day. In the third day, they slaughter them. There's only 600 of them that are, that are left. They flee into, I think, the forest or something. And, and, and then, after all of that, they come to realize what they've done. And they cry out as though it wasn't their plan all along. What has happened here, Lord? Have, have you ever done that with your own sin? Like, you, you, you're making a mess of your life, and then all of a sudden you say, how did I get here, Lord? Like As if it's God's fault. And so, after realizing that, they make this plan to fix the problem. Uh, they say, "Hey, there's this Jabesh Gilead, you know that didn't come, make the vow with us to destroy these people. Uh, let's go destroy them and take from them their virgin daughters to give wives to these men. So they do that, but they only got four hundred. They got two hundred left we need. so let's make another plan not in None of this time are they inquiring of the Lord, right? They're not asking God, what do we do now? What do we do now? Nothing. They're just deciding amongst themselves, what are we going to do? So they, they decide to go to a festival of Yahweh, you know, this, the God, the covenant God of Israel. Had, there's this festival where the, the virgins come out and they dance, you know, I guess around or, you know, the, the, the uh, Ark of the Covenant or something, the tabernacle. And there's 200 of them there, so they tell these guys, these 200 that are left, to grab them while they you know, are unsuspecting. And, and then they tell the, the tribes, tell the, the fathers, hey, because uh, they come to them complain about it, they're going to go after them. No, don't go after them. You know, you didn't know this was going to happen. This is a vow we took. Um, so you're off the hook too. Let them have them. And so the book ends with the, the infamous words, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So what are the, some of the things we can learn from this tragic story? Well, number one, we must reject the idea that we can live an autonomous autonomous life. Autonomy is, is a self-law. You can't live with a law under yourself because your self-law will crash into other people's self-law also. Um, but also what comes out of that is like what happened with the Nazis as they decide who is not human and begin to slaughter a whole uh, ethnic people of the Jews. So I wonder how many of us are doing what is right in our own eyes. I mean, We're not slaughtering anybody, right? Or, or are we? Believing that we are, are doing what is good when God has clearly spoken against what we are doing. And yet, we'd rather not read that. Maybe that's why we don't read the Bible, because we don't like what it has to say. You may be thinking right now that you are nothing like those people of Judges. That you would never do the kinds of things that they did. But remember the words of Jeremiah who says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick or desperately wicked. That is so counter to the culture. Trust your heart. Go where it leads you. No. Who can understand the heart is the question that Jeremiah asks. The prophet Jeremiah, and the answer is, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give to every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his. You don't know what is in your heart until God exposes it and reveals it. And man, I tell you what, maybe that's why we don't read the word, because that's that's painful, man. It is so painful to hear the truth and to know it. And oh, I don't want that. I want to live how I want to live. I don't want you to tell me how to live. What happens when we create our own laws and disregard the law of God? What happens is we strip humanity of their value. right? What comes out of that is abortion, this racism, this naked greed, and pornography. Pornography is sex trafficking. I read this article of this woman who said, Uh, He was asked, hey, do you think uh, pornography contributes to sex trafficking? And she said, no. Pornography is sex trafficking. She says, I was in the industry for eight or ten years. I can't remember how many. And And every woman that I knew was forced to do things that they would not think to do. But because of the intimidation, there's nothing but guys around. And here a woman steps into this. Maybe some that are strong enough to resist do, but she said her experience was no. Every one of these women are a victim of these men. Now Again, that's what happens. We're devaluing human life. We're, we're picking and choosing what is good rather than trusting the Lord who has, who has defined goodness. We must submit to the transcendent law of God. There, there, and of course, there are those who would say, ah, well, Look, we don't, we don't abide by the, the uh, dietary laws, all right? Even, even President Obama has said that. Well, which ones do you want to follow? Come on. the Scripture is an unfolding revelation. You can't just jump right inside of this book and then judge the whole thing. There are civil and ceremonial laws that war for a people at a time that passed away. There are shadows. If you've read the New Testament at all, Jesus says it's about me. It was pointing towards me. And you can read through any of the laws uh, of uh, Hammurabi, or anything like that. none of them were as radical and merciful as the laws that God had that governed right civil life. If you are a doubter or a skeptic in that regard, I would say, do your homework. This God is merciful beyond compare. Our, so... We can't live autonomous lives. It's 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 not going to work. Number two, our personal experience can never be the measure of the true spirituality. What true spirituality is all about. You you can't do that. Right. I met this this guy that I hadn't seen for a while, Meat Cutter, and he, hey, what are you doing? Well, I'm a pastor now. Oh, I used to go to church, you know, and I went to this church, but they talked about money all the time. I went to this other church, and it was pretty good there. But now, you know, I I don't have time for that. My wife and I and so whenever we, we want something like that, you know, my wife can always get on the internet and catch a quick, you know, little sermon or something. We all believe in the same God anyway, right? That's what he said to me. Well, I I would say a few things about that, bud, but I'm at work right now. So <laughs> let me get back to you on that, you know. Is that really true? Um, everything, if you if you were to profess like this guy that had this experience at the gym. If you were to profess that God is the God of the scripture that you believe, then every experience that you have must be brought under submission to the word that has already been revealed and the Christ who has revealed it to us, which has proven itself true in every culture, in every time zone. Only those things that have happened, like the Crusades, and you can go on and on about that. Again, those things were sorted out. Why? Because they were in contradiction to the word. So the word would always show itself true, whatever the reigning power was doing with it at the time. That's what the Reformation was all about. The law of the Lord is perfect, the psalmist says. Perfect. Can you you imagine that? What is perfect? What is perfection, right? You think of sports and stuff. That was a perfect pass, a perfect shot. Uh, you know, whatever, golfing or, or think of anything, the, the perfect deal you, you you know, in business or whatever. Really? Perfect? You don't even know what perfect is. God is perfect. In all his ways. Everything. Can you imagine that? I mean, you really realize that. Like, that's why when the prophets saw God, they were freaked out, man. <laughs> Perfection is here. heart is deceitful man it is deceitful number three we should examine and repent of the ways the church has become too much like the world right this material prosperity more worried about the outward appearance and you know i, I have no problem I, I love clothes and things like that but what is more important the character is what god is looking at what is on the inside do you worship god in your own way or do you let the Bible shape the way you worship? Well, hey, you let me do what I want to do. No. You're hurting yourself. God has defined worship. He, is, he, he wants to shape and mold your prayer life. You can't pray just any way you want. Not if you have the Word with you. Yes, if you know what you know, you can pray. But you have the Word to begin to grow you and guide you and lead you to an ever more rich understanding of who God is and what He desires of your life. You don't even know what to pray for. Or at least you don't pray for the things God would want you to pray for. Do you submit to the definitions that God has made of worship? Who He is, what He's done, how you ought to do these things. Without Scripture to guide us, we'll always worship something. Listen, listen. Without Scripture to guide us, you will always worship something other than God. That's hard to to believe that, right? You don't want to believe that. That's a lie! I'm a good person. Without Scripture to guide us, we'll always worship something other than God. It might be a pretty good God, but will it be the God of the Scripture? Will it be of the perfect God, with a perfect word, with a perfect son sent into the world? Will it? We should be lamenting much in our day. And I I think it is. You know, maybe that's why we we went through this series, right? We don't lament enough. We, we, We avoid lamenting. We want pleasure. We want to be entertained. We want comfort. That is going to make me uncomfortable. We should be lamenting the evil in our day, in our world that's infected the church. Let us cry out to the Lord for the church to rise up, forsaking the idols of the culture, and truly to love one another. And see the value of every human being, right? Um, one one of the things last night, not last night, it was Saturday, I think, morning yesterday morning, where the the speaker was talking about this this uh, stink line, right? This line that separated culture that if you had money and stuff, you you were above it, right? You had you had the money to put on the the deodorant, and spray yourself, and smell real pretty. But there are lots of people below that line that that they couldn't. And guess who was below that line? It was Jesus there with the stinky people, right? The stinky guy telling the the cleaned-up Pharisee who smells real pretty, Hey, fool, (laughs) look at what you're doing. You're treating God in this way. What do you think you are, stinky man? (laughs) Telling me what God is like. You obviously don't know, God. Or you wouldn't be so stinky. You smell like, nice, like me. Let's pray. God, I long for the day to see Jesus come, Lord Jesus. But come right now, Lord, into the hearts of those who would deny you. Reveal to us, Lord. What is true and good and right. Let us lay down our idols. Worship the true God who is like no other. In Jesus' name.